host, Kristen Anderson, and thank you so much for joining me today. Please let me know what you think of this podcast by subscribing, downloading, sharing, and rating it. Well, let's get right into it. The Flames are up against the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. It's a late game, Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? Bill Peters thinks so. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, that's a lot of juice. Saturday night, hockey night in Canada against the defending Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> that makes for a pretty good day, doesn't it? So let's go out and play. Let's have fun. We know what they're all about. Everyone was able to watch them on their uh, march through the playoffs. And then early this season, they're right back to work. I believe they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 and six, and 6 straight, I believe. So it's a formidable opponent, to say the least. And uh, it's a measuring stick, and it's an awesome opportunity for us. This is a fascinating season for the St. Louis Blues, coming off the biggest trophy in hockey. There seems to be no ill effects of a Stanley Cup hangover as they're 11-3-3 right now. They're finding ways to win, and maybe nothing seems insurmountable when you win the Stanley Cup. Alex Steen is out for at least four weeks after suffering a sprained ankle against the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday. Steen was in a collision with Edmonton's Alex Chason late in the second period of Wednesday's game. This is tough news for a team that's already lost Vladimir Tarasenko, who had shoulder surgery and is expected to be evaluated again in five months. That was his left shoulder, the same one he dislocated during last year's Stanley Cup final, and he had surgery on it following the 2017-18 campaign. Just a tough, tough loss for this group, also considering Tarasenko had been scoring at a point-per-game clip, posting three goals and seven assists in ten games. The Blues, and the, the Blues and the Detroit Red Wings made a trade on Wednesday, swapping Robbie Fabry for Jacob De La Rose, played on the Swedish junior national team with Oscar Sundquist and Calgary's Elias Lindholm. Pretty interesting connection there. De La Rose will play on Saturday on the Blues third line centered by Tyler Bozak and Sammy Blaze. Right now the Blues are riding a six game win streak and bring it into Calgary on Saturday night. So my rhetorical question to you, how do you not get up for this game? And how is this not seen as a measuring stick for the Flames like Bill Peters said? Flames are coming off a 5-2 win over the New Jersey Devils, which they said was their most complete effort all season. But let's call a spade a spade. This was not a good Devils team, and it certainly wasn't Calgary's toughest opponent this season. David Riddick beat 23 saves, and we'll get into that a little bit later when I talk to Bill Peters and Flames goalie coach Jordan Sigalette about load management, which seems to be the catchphrase in the NHL right now, a term borrowed from basketball. But it wasn't exactly David's biggest test this year either. He didn't need to be great, though, and that's the thing. I think there have been plenty instances this season where the Flames have needed him to be good this year. Calgary is 10-7-2 right now with 22 points. They're sitting behind the Edmonton Oilers who are first in the Pacific Division. This has been a productive stretch for the Flames so far at home who play four games in 11 nights and have six scheduled practices. That's a lot of time at home and a lot of time to gain ground in the Western Conference. When we come back, we'll dive into special teams. We'll talk a little bit about Andrew Mangiapane. We'll revisit the week that was. Remember, this is the National Hockey League and you have to be able to make a pass. That's what Bill Peters said earlier this week, so we'll dive into to some of his comments from earlier this week and we'll also talk about that load management when it comes to David Riddick. We've talked a lot about this already, but Calgary's penalty kill has been excellent this year at 88.4%. That was the third best in the NHL heading into this game, but they're a team that has also practiced their penalty kill a lot. They've taken a league-most 82 penalties this season, and that's a total of 189 minutes spent in the penalty box. San Jose, by the way, has taken 80, sitting second behind the Flames, and St. Louis has an excellent power play operating at 25.9%, scoring 14 goals on 54 opportunities, which is third best in the 
the league, tied with the Buffalo Sabres. But we know that the Flames need to work on their discipline. That's the bottom line. Being on the penalty kill hurts their flow of the game and really taking some of those guys out of the equation to have them kill penalties really adds to the disruptive flow of the lines and the way that the forwards operate. Speaking of forwards, we've talked a lot about as well Andrew Mangiapane on the second line. I think that storyline has been lost in the mix of what's been happening with the Flames in general this this week. I think that something that Andrew Mangiapane does on the second line with Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk is the way that he skates and the way he's able to get into plays and get involved. It's only been a week since Mangiapane was promoted to the top six, but I think he's a guy that can push the pace of the second line. And we saw it in the 2019 playoffs when he was on that ultra competitive fourth line for the Flames. Really, it was the line, the only line in my opinion, that looked engaged at times during the postseason. But like anything, it takes a few days, a few games to get comfortable and a few shifts to develop that level of intuition with his line mates. So this is going to take some time. Andrew Mangiapane is a work in progress on that second line. And we saw that. We saw a pretty catastrophic turnover on Tuesday night against the Coyotes when Mangiapane looked to have dropped a pass to Michael Backlund, which was immediately capitalized on by Connor Garland, who sent the puck to Nick Schmaltz, went cross ice to Clayton Keller for a one-timer. And that put Arizona on the board, one nothing early in that game. We all know how that that progressed, which is a perfect segue into Calgary's game against the Coyotes earlier this week. I thought Bill Peters was so fired up after that game um, in a bad way. I mean, it felt like he was so upset about the way that the Flames had um, kind of given away chances, had made committed so many turnovers, they couldn't make a pass, but still they found a way to come back in the final five minutes to erase a two-goal Coyotes lead and win 4-3 in overtime. These comments have gotten major airplay over the last week, but that's for a good reason. He was upset. He was frustrated. He was mad that the message wasn't being received, and I totally get that. They masked some problems, obviously, and we were no walk in the park three on three either. So we got to start playing for each other, playing the right way. I don't think we're doing that right now. I, I don't see that. If, if we are, I'm missing it a little bit. Like, seriously? And we talked about freebies earlier in the year. It's a little too easy to get to our net, a little too easy to, to, to ring up quality chances. So it's time. I thought it was interesting how he split up the defensive pairings to get something going, but also how critical he was of his team defense. It's National Hockey League. You've got to be able to make a pass. Lots to talk about. We need more. We need more out of some veteran guys. Uh, let's not be hanging our hat on that. Like, let's not be counting on, on this. <laughs> not a recipe for success long term. Not a recipe for success at all. Let's start off time. Let's get physically engaged. Hopefully we're able to make some changes, right? Because we look flat. We look comfortable. We look too comfortable. Too comfortable was right. So what happens on Thursday against the Devils? Well, they did exactly what they were supposed to do against a, an opponent that has some really good pieces and an opponent that's going to be an amazing team here in a minute. The Devils have some incredibly skilled uh, talent up front, but the Flames just won. They just won in a normal game, in a game where they capitalized on their chances and simply outworked their opponent. So now with the St. Louis Blues in town, it's up to them to show themselves, to take another step. Up next, I'll be talking a little bit about David Riddick and his upcoming appearance on After Hours and how Load management could help him moving forward. After Saturday's morning skate, the first line was intact. Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, and Elias Lindholm. Andrew Mangiapane was on the second line with Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk. Sam Bennett was with Derek Ryan and Alan Quine, which is good news for Sam Bennett after he blocked that shot on Thursday night, Friday off of practice. Milan Lucic was with Mark Jankowski and Tobias Ryder, which meant that Michael Froelich was the odd man out. And that's a developing story. Froelich seems to be falling out of favor again with Bill Peters, which is a tough thing for a guy who's been a really, really good professional in 
in my opinion, for this group. But it's clear something needs to give. This is the final year of his five-year deal he signed back in 2015-16 as a free agent. And $4.3 million is way too much to pay a guy, a hard-working guy, to sit in the press box. And I wouldn't be surprised if his agent, Alan Walsh, has some th- things to say about this again. He had some interesting comments last year when Hal Froelich was a healthy scratch. But if you can't use Froelich in your lineup, perhaps he'd be better suited somewhere else. And I'm sure the player who is as nice of a guy to deal with as your next-door neighbor is itching to get playing. So stay tuned with that one. Let's get back to Saturday's lineup. As far as the defense is concerned, Mark Giordano is still with Travis Hamanek. Noah Hannafin, who had his best game as a flame on Thursday against the Devils, is with Rasmus Anderson. And TJ Brody is with Michael Stone. Meaning that Brandon Davidson will sit out for a second straight game after being called up from the American Hockey League on Wednesday. I'd like to share my story uh, that I wrote on him earlier this week for Post Media, the Calgary Herald and Calgary Sun. He's a really hardworking guy and you can't help but be happy for him. But I also talked to him about a deeper side of his story and he opened up to me about his journey and battle with testicular cancer almost seven years ago. Some pretty powerful stuff here. November is Hockey Fights Cancer Month and Calgary just had their game. Is it still significant to you? Like I know it's those things for somebody who's gone through what you've gone through. Yeah, um, super important uh, month for me and my family. Um, last weekend uh, did a Hockey Fights Cancer game in the American League and um, you know, it brings back a lot of memories for me. It's, uh, it was uh, a time in my life that uh, really tested me as a person, and, and uh, I was kind of look back now and happy for uh, how the way things went and, and uh, just kind of reflect, uh, reflecting on this month and um, try and keep things in perspective. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, just the memories kind of roll back, uh, especially for my family as well. We kind of went through an ordeal that whole year and uh, it makes me just think about how happy and how proud I am to be here today playing hockey. Uh, like I said, it puts everything into perspective, hockey, life, more importantly life, and you really find out what's important to you and um, just being able to kind of participate uh, in this month and against Hockey Fights Cancer is uh, really important to me. I found out about it my first year pro um, in 2012. And uh, I found it through a routine uh, checkup that we do for every hockey player does with every hockey team. Um, found it quite early, and we're able to kind of diagnose it fairly quickly within days. And um, you know, kind of going through that part of things, um, having surgery to remove the tumor, and then starting chemotherapy for the next three months, kind of thing, um, was the process of, of kind of eliminating all the cancer cells. Um, after the three-month period, just after Christmas in January, I was able to finish my chemo treatments and start to recover and, um, you know, just kind of uh, readapt back to life, normal life. Because it, 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 I, I think it's an understatement. I don't even know how to put it into words how much life it takes out of you, the chemotherapy part of it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I lost 30 pounds when I did the treatment. Uh, I was really sick all the time and almost disoriented. Um, I didn't feel like myself at all. And, uh, thank goodness I had good people around me, my family, friends, and however else I wouldn't have been able to kind of been so positive about things. But um, they helped me kind of get through that. And um, I was able to get uh, some meals in my belly. They kept me well fed and uh, kept my energy up. And, and uh, they were really the heart and the soul behind uh, 
behind me coming back and uh, starting my professional career. I was diagnosed in Oklahoma City. Right. I was playing with uh, the Barons at that point. It was the Edmonton Weather's farm team. And uh, they had a cancer center there. It was called the Peggy and Charles Cancer Center. And um, world-renowned, I think, within the top... Uh, top 10 or 15 in the United States for cancer centers and so uh, we just stayed right where we could get our best help and um, stayed at the hospital there and um, kind of worked uh, it was in and out of there um, mainly every day for the better part of three months it's a blur it's a blur, big blur um, like I said I was disoriented and um, I, I was pretty sick um, uh, physically, but also mentally I was disoriented. And so um, it really was a blur. Um, I do get uh, some memories that come back every now and again and, and uh, hit home pretty hard. But um, but yeah, no, that's uh, just kind of part of it. And I mean, thank you, I, that means everything to me. And I'm, I've, uh, you know, try and uh, conduct myself in a way that uh, you know I can be a professional about um, being a hockey player and, and just being uh, in general a gentleman and um, going through what I did kind of uh, put perspective on life for me and um, really made me realize what I wanted out of life and, and uh, here I am today put my best foot forward and um, trying to crack an NHL hockey club again. I'm sure Davidson will get into the lineup soon, perhaps on Wednesday against the Dallas Stars or next weekend on the team's back-to-back in Arizona and Vegas. My last topic of conversation in today's podcast is about David Riddick. He wasn't taxed physically on Thursday night against the Devils and there are plans to play Cam Talbot soon, but we're likely talking about the back-to-back scenario next week in Arizona and Vegas. David Riddick was given Friday's practice off, but was back in the starter's net on Saturday. And I think that was a good thing to give him a mental break and just some time away from the game, from the rink, just to kind of regroup, decompress. Because this has been the story for the Flames this year, is how David Riddick has been playing and how the Flames should be managing him. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast and he's a big reason why the Flames are where they are. They're 10-7-2. The official definition of load management and of course the load management term is borrowed from basketball is the appropriate prescription monitoring and adjustment of external and internal loads. In other words load management isn't just about minimizing injury risk in a player it's about optimizing that player's effectiveness over a long term. We all know goalies like to play. Everybody likes to play but goalies specifically need more reps more time in that And David Riddick said at the start of the season that he wanted to play 60 games. I don't know how realistic that was, but it likely won't happen. The Flames need to start thinking about the way they're utilizing the team's starting goaltender or else they'll get to the playoffs and he'll be gassed by that point. So they need to start factoring Cam Talbot into games. They need to start kind of monitoring the way that David Riddick is doing mentally and physically or else he may get injured. And he may get burnt out mentally as well too if Flames' success and failures are placed on his shoulders. I think that adds a lot that's a huge mental burden for a starting goaltender something to take into consideration although I think David Riddick has the personality to carry that but I talked to Bill Peters just a little bit about that management of him and I also talked to goaltending coach Jordan Sigalette about the management of David Riddick as a starting goaltender pretty technical term load management sports science you're either good to go or you're not well that's is it just that simple with goaltenders I guess maybe goaltenders a question yeah it's real simple, like. Like win in your end, do no, well in your no, end. No, 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 no. Just, it's all good. Like we, we've had a lot of hockey spread out, though. So I think he's fine. Uh, 
we've talked lots about how well he's done so far. Have you seen any, like he seems to be responding well to this extra load management. Everyone, nobody's ever come in and said, Coach, you're playing me too much. you got to back off my minutes. It's, I've been in the game a long time. I've never had it. It'll happen at some point. I'm sure somebody will come in and say, you know what, I can't handle all this power play time. That's just too much. And when it does, then I'll, we'll come up with a plan. But until then, we'll try and manage it the best we can. I think the two goalies that are leading the league in minutes played are probably Redditch and Flurry, from what I can figure out. The team that's played the most hockey in the National Hockey Hockey League or the Calgary Flames, so that would go hand in hand with your starter playing the most minutes. So there's lots of stuff to talk about. And there will be lots to talk about tonight on After Hours as David Riddick is set to be one of the guests on this popular CBC program. I talked to Jordan Sigalet just about the effect of that on David Riddick and, and kind of how he is such an interesting character that people want to know and, and are interested in his story. We also talk about the last time that David Riddick was on After Hours, which was last year. About a year ago, actually. Well, they were just they were talking about a lot of his rituals and his shots to the head, and you know, just all the little quirks he has. But no, he, he was really good on there, and um, obviously he's easy to talk to and fun-loving guy. So you know, it's it's good for him to do that. I, I think people were kind of questioning that he was on there instead of some of the other players we have. But he's such a good story of his background and how he's worked to get up here. So you know, I think I think a lot of people appreciate it. And, Appreciated him a lot more after seeing the, even just a regular hockey night in Canada game. I don't think a lot of those guys realize the magnitude of it. And you know, I remember growing up with it and was glued to it all night long. You know, when it started in Vancouver, it started early, obviously getting the Eastern game, and it just became a tradition of our family. So I think he's probably starting to realize it now. But it, at first, he probably had no idea at all. So, which makes it kind of cool too. Times and it's fourth time now. I think he. Last time he, Scott was here, he, he said, do you remember who I am now? And he, they had a good laugh. He's the first one to make fun of himself when he messes up a word. And he's a confident kid in himself. So, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think it gets to him. I don't think he gets nervous. I think he enjoys it. And you know, he likes to share his story. And you know, I don't see him being a nervous guy in the media at all. He speaks his mind, as you know. And, um, I think that's why people like to talk to him and get to know him a little bit better. David Riddick is 9-4-2 with a 2.74 goals against average and a .915 save percentage. Heading into Saturday's action, he was leading the league in games played, games started, which is 15, and in a three-way tie with Marc-Andre Fleury and Frederick Anderson with nine wins and leading the NHL with 898 minutes and 53 seconds of total ice time. All right, that's it for me today. Enjoy the game on Saturday night against the St. Louis Blues. Join me again on Monday when I recap what happened in the game, provide some post-game audio, and preview the week ahead, which features one lonely game against the Dallas Stars. Thanks again. Please download, share, subscribe, and let me know what you think. I just want to chill and twist the lie. Catch stunts in my 745. You drive me crazy, shorty. I need to see you and feel you next to me. I provide everything you need and I let you smile. I don't want to see you cry. Got some questions that I got to ask and I hope you can come up with the answers, baby. Girl, girl, you seem to love me now. Would you love me?